I'd like to plug the Chase Thomas podcast. Listen to Chase Thomas. You'll be a smarter sports fan and obviously a much better human being. Matt Chernoff from 680 The Fans, Chuck and Chernoff show here. And I want to say thanks for listening to today's episode of the Chase Thomas podcast. You can find it on Apple, Spotify, and all your favorite podcast apps. Chase Thomas went to Parkview in North Georgia. He's a local Atlanta kid, and he won't let the Luca versus Trey thing go. He interned with us back in the day, and you'll always remember him. Anyway, definitely go check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can find all of Chase's previous episodes, all of his articles, and do him a solid. Leave him a rating and review if you're an Apple Podcast listener. Reminder to listen to our show, Chuck and Chernoff, Monday through Friday, 3 to 7 on 680 The Fan, and subscribe to my podcast as well. Welcome to Matlana, wherever you get your podcasts. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, we're back here on the Chase Thomas podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee. Everything School HQ from parts unknown. One of my favorite NFL writers, podcasters out there today. It's Mr. Mark Schofield. Mark. Good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well, Chase. How are you, my friend? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I'm not paying any mind to the Thursday night football game tonight with Brock Purdy and Geno Smith. Can't do it. There's only so much, and there's just, I don't know if you looked at the weekend slate. We got bowl season. We got a lot of NFL games on Saturday. Yeah. Tomorrow. We're recording this on Thursday night. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm saying like Saturday is just jam-packed. I know, but we get one of my favorite bowl games of this entire bowl season. Which is that what? game between Troy and UTSA, mm. two top 25 teams on the second bowl game of the entire slate. Mm-hmm. Like, that's a nice way to – and plus, it starts at 3 p.m. on the East Coast. It's like mm-hmm. this is the time of year where people are dipping out early on Fridays and stuff. Maybe you're going to like dip out Friday and you're not coming back till next year. This is a great way to go out. I mean, I'm so excited for this one. Yeah, no, that's going to be a fun, fun game. I will have to miss it because I will be at 3 – clock on friday i'll be walking across um the uh i don't know what to call it uh what am i walking across to get my master's degree i'm walking i guess the podium i guess i'll be yep. a podium walking i haven't done the it dais. congratulations my friend thank you very excited uh now that i'm graduating it's done i can say this not thrilled about it being a two and a half hour event mark i made <laughs> mistakes were made where i was like all right, it's graduate school. It can't be as many people. I'll, I'll walk again. It, it's not going to be as bad. And, you know, the family wants to see you walk and all that right. kind of stuff. So they're they're coming up and all that good stuff. But, like, I looked at it and I was like, two and a half hours. Like, yeah. It's going to be I, like one of those AT&T commercials, right, where you get the phone and you're, you're watching the ball game. I think I'm going to have to. I, there's no way I'm going to be able to sit still and just sit there and listen to it. Like, I have these Beats noise-canceling headphones that I live and die by. I'm like, can I sneak those under my hood? And like, just can I sneak those so I can listen to what I want to listen to? Um, Because it's a little ridiculous. But then I run the risk if I put in even AirPods and hide that. And I'm like listening to a pod or listening to the game at three o'clock. They like call my name and I'm just like. And you miss it? Yeah. And I miss. Oh, man. Don't want that. No, no. Can't have that. Um, But Mark, there is a lot going on in the NFL world that uh, I wanted to pick your brain on uh this evening but before we get into our uh week 15 preview it's amazing we're already at week 15 it's flying flying by it's flying by but the atlanta falcons team very near and dear to my own heart um been a weird 
kind of tumultuous week um, for the Falcons. Strange. Yeah, and we still haven't gotten a hundred percent clarity on what's gone on with Marcus Mariota um, behind the scenes and the circumstances completely involved in why he immediately departed the team um, following uh, being informed that he was being demoted on Friday of last week. Um, we'll never know for certain. It's going to be like the Logan Woodside show if uh, uh, Desmond Ritter gets hurt um, on Sunday, which, God forbid, hopefully that does not happen, but just really weird circumstances right now in Flowery Branch and uh, with the Falcons. But uh, everyone, and when I say everyone, America's favorite rookie who looks 47 years old will be under center uh, for the Falcons. And you wrote about him. Um, what can you tell me about Desmond Ritter? And I'm, am I going to be happy uh, when he debuts against uh, the hated rival of the New Orleans Saints on Sunday afternoon? I think you're going to be happy, Chase, because he offers hope. Okay. And, and that, that that was kind of like the main point that I was trying to make is that, look, you know, what should you expect? Well, he's a rookie quarterback making his first start against a, a defense and a defensive mind in Dennis Allen that has caused Tom Brady some fits by doing the unexpected. That's one of the things that the Saints have done so well against Brady over Brady's time at Tampa Bay is they do the unexpected. They have, you know, a corner will peel off a route that you're not expecting or a linebacker will, you know, shadow somebody that you're not expecting. And so, Pack your patience with Desmond Ritter, but mm. he offers hope, right? He offers hope of, you know, a quarterback that's athletic, that mirrored his game after Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, now in an offense that, look, when Arthur Smith was in Tennessee, he turned Ryan Tannehill into an elite-level productive quarterback. Like, there's going to be better days ahead for this offense. It might not happen overnight. It probably won't happen overnight. But I think what Ritter offers is that hope for the future. Does he feel like he, if you had to guess how it goes down the down the stretch here in these final four games, do you think he'll pop enough for the Falcons if they're if Bryce Young slips a little bit or CJ Stroud's there or even like a Will Levis, God forbid, or Anthony Richardson late in the top ten or something or even top fifteen? Do you think he'll be in a position where he'll be able to flash enough that you would expect the Falcons to really roll with Ritter for next year and go a different route in the first round? I think so. I, okay. I think he will. I mean, he was somebody that, you know, I know we all know last year's quarterback class was a little bit different, but I thought he was kind of like if you wanted the guy that was ready to go early, that was quote-unquote pro-ready, did a lot of the things that you like at the mental side of the position, Desmond Ritter was probably your favorite guy in the class. There was, mm -hmm. a, you know, a huge portion of like film study Twitter, you know, the Nate Tyson's of the world that absolutely loved Ritter for, for what he did from the mental side of the game. And I think he showed that and even in the preseason, reading out concepts, making anticipation throws. He had some anticipation throws in his first NFL action against Detroit, had some against Jacksonville in his final preseason game. And so I think he'll show enough over these next couple of weeks that Atlanta can feel comfortable that they don't have to force a quarterback pick because, you know, with the way the draft is sort of landing right now, you might be left with, do you trust Anthony Richardson enough at nine or eight or wherever you end up? Because, you know, we're hearing Stroud's going to go early, that Young's going to go early, that Levis might go first overall. I mean, that's what we're hearing this week, which, you know, you're shaking your head and I am too. I don't I don't get that one, but NFL scouts apparently love him. So, you know, I, I think Ritter's going to save the Atlanta Falcons from making that decision with what he shows over the next couple of weeks. Yeah, Levis and Richardson are just like one of the those two guys. It's just like it. You're really fighting tape. You're just going a lot on measurables and what they could be if you throw them into your system. It's a lot of that Josh Allenitis where it's like, 
look, <laughs> but look at these tools and look at what we can do in the NFL and we can maximize this. And I'm like, man, there's a lot of tape of him just not being very good. Like there's a yeah. lot of tape of just like, you're betting a lot on your coaching staff. And I just feel like the Josh Allens of the world are the exceptions to the norm. And I'm, I'm not saying take Hendon Hooker in the first round uh, early and, or Stetson Ben or something just because right. they were extremely efficient. But like they're, uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. I would be very, very nervous if I was uh, like the Giants, for instance, of just taking another shot on Richardson be like, Brian Dabble, he did it with Josh Allen. And you're like, all right, Anthony Richardson. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of higher on Richardson than Levis. Mm-hmm. If you know, but both of those guys, yeah, I mean, there, there's, there's, you know, some faith that you're putting in, particularly like you said, Jason, the coaching staff that they're going to be able to fix it. They're going to be able to figure it all out. How many times has it actually happened? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't happen all the time. No, um, but we'll see. I, I like uh, Theo Ash, friend of the pod, who was on uh, earlier this week with Evan and I. Uh, he called um, Des uh, Group of Five Trevor Lawrence. And yeah. I thought that was interesting. And then it's like, yeah. okay, I'll take that. And like the most ready, like this offense. And I think the most um, exciting part about the Arthur Smith era here thus far. And one of the things I think Falcons fans should feel good about is I think we have the best coach in the division now. Uh, I think that's pretty, pretty obvious at this point. And I think it looks, it's leaning like Steve Wilkes is going to get the full-time job in Carolina. And we saw how that worked full-time in Arizona. I think he's done a lot for the defense and a good defensive minded guy. But the three defensive-minded guys in this division are just the offenses yeah, have taken yeah. a Particularly, gigantic step back. Particularly, you know, in Tampa Bay, right? In New Orleans, like it just doesn't look good right now. So, no, yeah. and Smith, it looks when it's rolling, it's a beautiful thing to watch. Like I can see it working. Like when Cordero just smashes through the holes, and you're just like, man, you can if you get a little bit more talent here this scheme is going to open up a lot. Like the play action stuff is obviously huge for what they want to do, but Drake London and Kyle Pitts are going to be, uh, they're going to be really good players in this scheme. And Drake London's been awesome uh, to this point, but he just doesn't ask a lot out of his quarterbacks um, to this point. So I just, I'm for a pro ready guy in an offense that does not ask um, him to just go do everything like a Justin Fields or even Trevor Lawrence last year with urban. I think it's just, it's a recipe for success. So I think he's going to be, the guy for a while and get every opportunity to be yeah, the guy. I agree. In Absolutely. Um, well, the week 15, like I illuminated uh, uh, here earlier, uh, Mark, we start tonight. Uh, it's time for Thursday night clairvoyance from uh, Mark here. So with the Seahawks and the Niners short week for both teams, the Seahawks obviously getting uh, blitzed in embarrassing fashion by the Carolina Panthers on Sunday. Their playoff hopes look a little bit more shaky uh, down the stretch here. Uh, still an amazing season, and also they're playing with house money because they get yeah. the number two, number three overall pick uh, from the Broncos with this season. So everything's pretty good right now if uh, you're a Seattle fan, even if you don't end up finishing as strong as you would like. But Brock Purdy um, to this point has been fantastic. Uh, what do you ultimately expect and do you think the seahawks actually stop the their little mini skid here against the niners tonight i kind of like san francisco on this one i mean i think the main reason is you know when you're seeing san francisco over the past couple of weeks before garoppolo goes down you're seeing the potential of that offense you're seeing you know garoppolo was playing really good football right before he got hurt like Mm -hmm. i thought he was playing you know, at a pretty high level, you see what that offense could be with McCaffrey and the different ways they use him. They seem to have avoided a 
disastrous injury for Debo last week. Because you know when that injury yeah. happened first, then you're like, oh man, this is not what they need right now. Seems they get a little bit lucky there. And Brock Purdy, the same arguments that you were making for the 49ers with Garoppolo, you know, the talent, the scheme, and all that stuff. The quarterback kind of has to be a caretaker, and yeah, he can elevate things here and there. That still sticks with Brock Purdy. And if mm. anything, he's shown a little bit more potential, say, off structure, outside the pocket, on the move, a bit more athleticism, had that play where he sort of swung, swung over the defender and made a throw. I, I still like where they are right now. I think they're they're one of those teams that as you start thinking ahead, get into you know the playoffs and the postseason, just like last year, I wouldn't want to see the San Francisco 49ers on the schedule. Like They just seem like, particularly with that defense as well, they just seem like a team that's coming together right now, even with the injuries at the QB position. I just, the, I can't get over no rookie quarterbacks ever made the, the Super Bowl. It hasn't happened yet, and Purdy could be the first. He could be. He has the confidence for it. Like, it's a very different kind of player. I just, I'm always going to bet against the rookie quarterback making it uh, to this point. I mean, it, it's, like you said, it'd be history. You know, mm-hmm. it hasn't happened before. Anytime something hasn't happened before, it makes you think it's not going to happen again with good right. reason. But, you know, it, they could make a deep run. Mm-hmm. You know, the question becomes, what say they see Philadelphia in, mm-hmm. in a championship game. You know, it's hard to see them winning that game just because Philadelphia is like such a complete team. Mm-hmm. But if, you know, Philadelphia stumbles and they play, say, a Dallas, they could beat Dallas. They did it last year. I mean, mm-hmm. and then outside of that, I don't think, do we really trust Minnesota? No. I mean, so, you know, if they, if they find themselves in a favorable situation against, say, Dallas or Minnesota, they could do it. The NFC is just bad, man. Like, this is yeah. rough all across the board. And, I mean, I I, I think the Cowboys still have a shot. Like, I Absolutely. Think they, it's kind of wild. I thought this was going to be a gap year for them. Uh, losing Cooper and uh, losing Gregory the way they did. And you're looking and you're like, all right, they don't really have cap space. They couldn't really do much. I mean, obviously losing Tyron Smith earlier this year, they get him back. They're getting healthy at the right time. They might get OBJ to wrap up here. Michael Gallup's back. Um, I, I Tony Pollard's really popped of late that you're like, oh, the Cowboys are coming together. They have the number one defense and defensive DVOA. I mean, I, I think people are sleeping. It's just the Cowboys. But it's like, I, I'm believer that if you remove dallas from their logo and the way they want they play and everything else and you just you i mean honestly if this was the eagles or this was the niners you'd be like wow the niners are really coming together but because it's the cowboys and because it's this group and mike mccarthy and everything else you're like i just i i, I don't buy it and i'm like this cowboys team i feel like they're legit they are legit and you know chase one of the things that i love about the dallas cowboys right now and you know, not that we're living in sort of an era of defensive football. Mm. You know, this isn't the 1980s or the 70s or anything like that. But what Dallas can do at such a high level, you know, mm. it's the old tried and true get pressure with four, right? Yeah. If you can get pressure with four, it's one of the easiest things to say about a team. Like, hey, you know, if they can get pressure with four, they can win this game. You know, they've got 152 pressures this year with just four. That's fourth mm. in the NFL. In terms of pressure percentage, they have pressured the opposing quarterback 38.7% of the time when rushing just four. That's most in the league. Hmm. If you can do that, you're going to be in a pretty good situation, regardless of who you're playing. So they can get pressure with four. Micah Parsons, if he's not the best defensive player in football, he's what, top three, hmm. top four? I mean, he's a, such a talented player. And, yeah, they're, they're going to face questions about – the offense, the passing game, is Dak Prescott going to deliver in a big game or anything like that? I'm still a huge Dak Prescott fan. I love what he does. 
pre-snap, post-snap, play in the position extremely well. So I think, yeah, Dallas certainly has a shot, you know, not just to get into the playoffs, not just to win a game in the playoffs, but to make a run of their own. When you look at um, on Saturday, and also what one quick question before you move over, uh, who's number one in uh, pressure rate with sitting four? No, it's Dallas. I thought you said that Dallas in the top four. Oh, Dallas is number one. Yeah, they have so they have 152 pressures, uh-huh. which is fourth. Fourth, you yeah. Know, but when it's just percentage, they're number one in percentage. This is according to Sports Info Solutions, gotcha. 38.7%. Like Washington's actually two at 37. Hmm. Uh, the Patriots are actually third at 36.6. Um, hmm. But all those teams are very good at getting after you with four, which, you know, as we know, it's such a huge thing to have if you're a defense. Yeah, the the tried and true method uh, in DC of just drafting SEC guys. Uh, yeah, just draft line. first round pass rushers, and you'll <laughs> yeah. figure it out at some point. Yeah, and Chase Young hasn't even been a factor, and they've been doing yeah, all this. But they might be getting him back maybe this week, so we'll see. Yeah, um, we'll get into DC because I the, the, we're going to tie them back to the Eagles in a second. Um, on Saturday uh, at one o'clock, uh, Justin Jefferson and the Vikings get an opportunity to rebound after losing to the Lions on Sunday. Um, this Colts team, Jeff Saturday, pushing for the full-time job. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen uh, based on what we've seen to this point. I, I don't think we should no. probably want that to happen. I don't think Colts fans want that to happen. Um, but does Jeff- Justin Jefferson pose a significant matchup problem for Stephon Gilmore and this Colts secondary? Is this a good week for Jefferson or no? I mean, I think it's still a good week for Jefferson um, just because he's so talented, right? Mm-hmm. I mean... You know, just when when you're talking about receivers that when it's Monday and you get a chance to sort of sit down and just watch a receiver, you know, you want to watch Justin Jefferson. He's Mm. extremely talented at what he does. And that game against Detroit last week, obviously, you know, 223 or something like that receiving Mm. yards. He's on the cusp of maybe getting over 2,000 on the year, which is just insane. And and Gilmore obviously is is a very good corner. Um, But I just think that – Kirk Cousins in this Vikings passing game is very good. Now they've got other issues. Mm. You know, they've got issues on the defensive side of the ball. Detroit last week showed how you could stop their run game and sort of take away what they want to do best, which is what they do best, what they might want to do with most all, all is run the football and then build off of that. But I still think this is a, a game where Josh Jefferson's going to put up some numbers. It's funny too to think about like when you listen to like Kevin O'Connell uh, talk about Jefferson uh, this year and like one of the differences between like what uh, Kubiak and uh, Zimmer were doing last year was just they they really wanted to establish the run they really wanted to build their offensive identity that way and this year O'Connell is just more free flowing where he's like hey um, Justin Jefferson's our best player and it's not really close we're just gonna target the hell out of our best player and we're gonna yeah. see what happens and it's worked yeah, out that's what you should do that's what you should do I mean a player of that talent and caliber yeah feed him the ball as much as you can yeah for sure um I think this will be very uh, it's also just like the Vikings it's just their negative point differential and looking at it, it's like of course they get the Colts right after a bad loss to the yeah. Lions of like Perfect they just time. They're going to skate to like 13 and four and lose their first playoff game. I it just I mean, feel in a way like Tennessee last year, right? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, they, they might like Tennessee was the first over, overall seed. Minnesota is not going to be the first overall seed unless something strange happens in Philly. But mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, they'll probably be the two, you know, they'll get to host a playoff game and they'll lose to like Dallas or Dallas somebody. Or, yeah. or somebody. Dallas has already blown them out. So mm-hmm. it just happened again. 
Um, Saturday at one as well. Ravens, Browns, no Lamar Jackson for this one. This will be game number three for Deshaun Watson. So to this point on the field, how do you think Watson will match up and this offense will match up against a healthy Baltimore defense? Because I think this is an under talked about uh, portion of Baltimore because there's so much focus on Lamar. Stevens is healthy now. Clay's Campbell's playing really good football. Patrick Queen's playing good football. Um, you go up and down the list. Everyone's coming back. Marcus Williams is back. Um, they're as healthy, I think, they've been in a long time all across the board. J.K. Dobbins and Gus Edwards are back, and you see what that one-two punch looks like when they're healthy. Outside of Lamar, they're in really, really good shape. And I mean, they were my preseason Super Bowl pick in the AFC this year. I'm I'm curious to see how this goes um, for because it looks like it might be Anthony Wright under center for the Ravens in this one because Anthony Brown yeah yeah, yeah. or Anthony Brown excuse me yeah Anthony Wright, but what, he was a Raven he was a too backup. yeah yeah but I think it's Anthony Brown's like the the guy the that Boston College guy yeah. right yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, that's funny they've had an Anthony Brown and Anthony Wright um, but yeah when you look at this do they put when you base what you've seen so far from Watson. Do you think he has more success this week, or do you think it's another really rough, rough go of it for him against the Ravens? I think it's another rough go of it just because, you know, when watching Watson these past two weeks, mm. it does seem like, you know, from Cleveland is still technically alive. They still have slim playoff odds, but, you know, those could evaporate, you know, by five o'clock Saturday afternoon with a loss. Um, so it seems like Cleveland is basically in a position of we've got to figure out what our offense is going to be next year. Hmm. And when you look at Watson during his time in Houston, when he was at his best, it's a lot of shotgun spread, you know, RPO is tough. You know, you look at where Stefanski wants to be conceptually. It's under center play action, boot action, things like that. And they're trying to like marry the two and figure out the best combinations. Mm-hmm. And it's a work in progress. And I think when you're trying to figure things out and you're a work in progress on the offensive side of the ball, going up against a defense like Baltimore that, like you said, is getting healthy, getting people back. It's not a good mix. Um, so I think it's going to be an ugly game because like you said, it's probably going to be a lot. I do think that Tyler Huntley was cleared. I think Harbaugh said that late this afternoon. So he, he might start out of concussion pro- protocol, yeah. but whether he goes or not is a different question, but mm. either it's a backup or it's a guy who just signed off the street. Yeah. It's going to be an ugly game either way yeah and i'm man it is kind of weird just the weirdest season for cleveland because there was some yeah. hope early on and i mean joe woods has stayed on to this point uh, miles garrett went to bat for him today i'm curious to see what their offseason uh looks like because i think cleveland i mean was expecting... there are browns fans that are clamoring for stefanski to go and it's just are you one of those guys no no yeah. not me i mean there there are lots of other issues before you get down to kevin stefanski i mean when you think about you know, the fact that you kind of went into this season thinking you have one quarterback and now you've got Jacoby Brissett for the first 12 games. Like, it's had to, a lot of moving parts there, particularly at the quarterback position over the past two seasons. So, you know, I think he's earned some time here. I think the one thing I'd be worried about with Stefanski is, like, what happened to the run game down the stretch yeah. of the season? Like, you're like, what's what's going on there? Because yeah. um, that's just such a huge part of their identity. But that's also why you trade for Watson if this yep. thing goes away. Because running backs don't last forever and the Nick Chubbs of the world can't last forever. Um, well, uh, on Saturday night, a game that I am very, very excited to be, uh, around a fire for and, uh, get snuggled up with my weighted blanket. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like this is, this is big time. I'm a, I'm very, very excited to see how Miami fares in Buffalo on Saturday night. Um, Mike McDaniel living it up, uh, at practice today in the shirt, just embracing the, the narrative of like, oh, they can't play in cold weather. 
I love this. I think this is going to be fun. I don't know which way this is going to go. Tua's had a really, really rough last two games. People are piling on there. Um, do you think they'll be fine uh, with their style in, uh, in the cold Buffalo tundra on Saturday night? I, I think they'll be fine with that part of it. Mm. But I think the bigger question, Chase, is do they have a counterpunch to what they've seen the past couple of weeks, which was, you know, if you think back, you know, a month or so ago when they were putting up points in bunches, mm. defenses were basically saying they're so fast, we're going to play off, we're going to play zone, we're going to play quarters, we're going to try to keep everything in front of us. In the past two weeks, Ryan's, you know, the San Francisco defensive coordinator and certainly Brandon Staley said, no, 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 no. We're going to play tight man coverage. We're going to get in your face. We're going to mm. make you read stuff out and throw into tighter windows. And that's had a huge impact on this passing game. It's it's a shell of what it was. You know, they also, you know, the Chargers did a good job. The Niners did a good job sort of slowing down the run game too. So suddenly the RPOs, the play actions, they weren't as effective as they had been. And I think that's the bigger question facing Miami. Do they figure out, okay, we're going to get these man beaters all the time. You know, will we finally – Will Tua finally hit some of these outbreakers that I call for him? Will we see him finally hit some of these throws into tighter windows that he's been seeing all season long? I think that's the bigger problem for Miami, and I don't know if they're going to figure that out in this situation. I think they'll deal with the cold and the weather you know, just fine. Like Tua said, it snows in Alabama too, which is kind of a funny line, but then people looked up his numbers when it was cold, and they weren't great. Mm. So, I mean, there's certainly that aspect. But I think the bigger question is just schematically, philosophically, now that defenses might have figured out a way to slow down that passing game, do they have a response? I also think it's interesting that we're overlooking what Buffalo's offense has looked like the last few weeks. So people are piling on Miami, and it's like Buffalo was – the Jets really gave them all they could handle last week, and we're in that till the end. Like the Bills had basically, what, two drives that were successful the whole day, and that ultimately won the game. Obviously, the Dawson Knox touchdown um, at one point. But, like, Josh Allen struggled by and large throughout that game. It's a lot of where's Stephon Diggs. <laughs> that is it's a that- lot of this offense right now. It's a lot of, this is the guy I saw in Wyoming. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of, he's pressing. If that first read isn't there, he's going to try to create a little bit too yeah. much. It's like that hero ball syndrome. And, you know, as, as a Patriots fan, you know, the Bills and the Patriots played a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, I go on a ton of Buffalo shows and they're all very sort of angsty about where that offense is right now. Mm-hmm. With good reason. Now, I, I, I think Buffalo wins this game Saturday night. Okay. It's more because of Miami struggles versus where Buffalo is struggling right now. But I think the, you know, the October storyline of all, oh, man, Buffalo's the team to beat. Mm. They're the best team in the AFC. That storyline is behind us now. And you almost wonder, you know, the whole 13 seconds, they got to beat Kansas City. They got to get that off their backs. Did they peak too soon? I know that's a cliche type thing to say, but they looked great in October. Now we're in December here and it's like, we got some issues they got to deal with. Yeah, um, yeah. Khaleesi the dog agrees on yeah. some issues. Um, exactly. On Sunday, we get the Eagles and the Bears. Um, the game plan to beat Philly is what to this point? Because that loss to DC, I think people need to go back and watch that. Like DC handled them. Nick Sirianni was pissed going back to the locker room at halftime. And 
I mean, they were shell shocked at DC just keeping control. Taylor Heineke playing within himself, and just here's uh here's Taylor, Terry McLaurin over the middle. Oh, there's Terry McLaurin over the middle. Oh, there's Terry, and they just killed them underneath. They didn't take any downfield shots. They were able to run the ball. Brian Robinson was averaging like four or five yards carry over and over and over again. Um, the offensive line played pretty well against that Philly front, and I mean. Jalen Hurts got hit a lot in that game. Like, we know what Washington's uh, pass rush is going to be. The biggest issue is their safeties and corners. Like, it's just not very good. And um, there was a lot of uh, pass interference in that game where they were just throwing it up. And they'll probably do that a lot more with A.J. Brown uh, when they meet again. But, I mean, to this point, like, what what is the blueprint? And can Chicago do something uh, defensively with uh, their personnel to kind of cause the same kind of problems that D.C. did? Yeah, I mean, what really stood out watching that game between those two teams, Washington and Philly, back in November, the time of possession. And I don't know, yeah. look, the era we're living in right now, time of possession is kind of like a you know, done and buried stat. Nobody really looks at it. I mean, as a Tennessee volunteer, you don't have to tell me about time of possession. 13 minutes, 56 points, who cares? We're ready to go. Yeah, yeah. I mean, but then you look at this game, Washington had it for 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. I mean – you, you like you said, Brian Robinson was getting three, four, four and a half yards a pop. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he was, you know, running it ten yards, fifteen yards a game. It was a lot of third and twos, right? Mm-hmm. And then they get a first down. There's a lot of like what, 12, 13, 15, 16 play drives that really sort of a wore down that Eagles defense and B kept that Eagles offense on the sideline. Mm-hmm. And then you get a three and out. You get a pressure and hurts us to throw it away or something. You know, that's kind of the recipe. Can Chicago duplicate that? I don't think so. Mm. But can some of the teams the Eagles might play in the postseason duplicate that? I think that's something San Francisco can do. Yep. You know, I think that's something the Niners can do. I think that's something Dallas can probably do. You know, obviously, if Washington gets in and those two teams meet again, Washington's done it before. So, you know, I, I think the Eagles are perhaps the most complete team in football. But Washington did give sort of a roadmap, like make Jalen Hurts a spectator a bit, you know, one sustained drives, you know, that's a recipe to win. Put them in the hole. Like they have not yeah. been faced with diversity much this season. That's like one of the the downsides to being this dominant all season long is just you haven't had that opportunity to kind of play from behind a lot and uh, play that style. And we just haven't seen it. Doesn't mean that can't be done. It just means we really haven't uh, seen it from the Eagles. Um, the Lions, who are streaking at the right time, they really uh, found their stride offensively, especially um, in recent weeks. They're playing; they'll be 500 if they win this game, correct? Yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, yeah. this is a huge game, and I, I'm qu- I'm curious from your perspective, who needs this more? Is it the Lions or the Jets? Because I think this is a gigantic game on both sides. I, I actually, I just did a radio show, and I, I had I said this, you know, Chase. If if somebody had sat us down in August and said, "Hey, it's going to be Week 15, and the game you might want to watch the most is Lions Jets," I would have been <laughs> like, "No, yeah, that that's kind of crazy." But it, it's up there, if mm. not, like you said, because look, just by the numbers, if you know, right now the Jets have a 33 percent chance to make the playoffs according to 538, and the Lions mm. they're at 20 percent. If the Jets lose, that drops to 19. If the Lions lose, that drops to 8. Like, Man. I don't want to say it's an elimination game, but it's pretty close to an elimination game for these teams. But I, th- I think the team that probably needs it more is Detroit, not just because of the numbers, mm. but because the Jets are built to beat them. They're built to win a game like this. Because, you know, we were just talking about the pass rush numbers with four, right? Now, mm. 
Cowboys are extremely good at that. Well, so are the Jets. I mean, you look at, again, according to the SIS, total pressures rushing just four. Jets are third in the NFL with 157. Hmm. Pressure percentage when they're rushing four. Jets are eighth with 33.7% of the time. They get pressure with four. Um, Jared Goff has played very well, but when you get pressure on him, that's when you see him sort of struggle. Minnesota couldn't get any pressure on him. He had some incredible pockets to throw to last for a throw from last Sunday. So I, I think the numbers certainly tell you it's probably the Lions that need this more. I think the fact that if the Lions can show that they can win a game against a team like the Jets that are built to beat them, that will certainly help their case going forward. So I think for a couple of different reasons, Detroit needs this one more. But it's almost an elimination game. What do you what have you seen so far out of Jamison Williams since he came back last week? You excited to see how he plays in this one? Extremely excited. Extremely yeah. excited. Because you know, and I don't know if we'll see, you know, him versus Sauce. We mm. might see it, you know, but you're going to get Garrett Wilson versus Sauce at times. You might see, I mean, no, not get that. They're on the same team. Screw that yeah. one up. But no, you're going to, you might see Williams. You might see Amon Ross St. Brown versus Sauce at times. Yeah. You might see, you know, DJ Chark. It, it, that's going to be fascinating to watch, um, you know, because Sauce Gardner has been such a great rookie corner. Jamison Williams looked obviously explosive, had the first reception for a touchdown, kind of got lost in the coverage there with the safety on that play, sort of read it wrong. But he started that to was get the that theme in Alabama. Through. People lost yeah. Jamison Williams. Yeah. I mean, you speed puts pressure mm-hmm. on guys at the secondary, sometimes get flustered. So I'm excited to see how much they keep you know using him and getting him up to speed in that offense. Um, Something that I don't think anybody wants to watch. I don't even think Panthers want to watch Panther Steelers on Sunday afternoon. No. But based on two games of Sam Darnold going into game three of Sam Darnold, what are you what are you seeing out of his play since returning this year? And what are you looking for out of him this week? I mean, really where we're at right now with Sam Darnold is just don't turn the ball over, right? Like mm. don't turn the ball over. You've got a pretty good to a you know, potentially great defense. Like they've mm. done some good things on the defensive side of the ball. Obviously a defensive minded head coach and Steve Wilkes and what he's done. You know, it's you're seeing a lot of staple concepts like mesh and things like that, and he's executing those well. Take care of the football, like kind of just be a point guard, distribute the ball a little bit. You know, that's mainly what I want to see. I still expect Carolina to potentially draft a quarterback with their first pick in the draft because I think – Would you? I would. Okay. I mean, I, I, the problem is, though, if they – say they make a run to the playoffs, which they very well might. Yeah. You're kind of in – seeing if QB four falls to you range. Like and maybe also, that does work out. We just saw Josh Rosen with Steve Wilkes and Mike McCoy in Arizona. Are you are you sure you want to go down that road? Are you sure if you keep Wilkes? Like I, I think I might go Darnold for another but he's gone. Like I think Darnold's contract's up after this year. And then it's like I don't I don't really know what they do. Um I I mean I also think though and we've seen this start to percolate a little more the past couple of off seasons. Maybe there's more of a veteran movement on the trade market hmm. you know, because Jordan Love might be available. We might have another go round of, hey, is Jimmy Garoppolo available? I mean, and yeah. then, then the Panthers were kind of sort of in on the Garoppolo sweepstakes. What happens in Seattle? I think they roll with Geno Smith, but maybe they don't. You yeah. know, so you might see some veteran quarterback movement as a reason, you know, and hmm. maybe there's an opportunity for Garoppolo to go to Carolina or something like that. Interesting. Um, and then the Bucks, obviously, in the NFC South. I mean, there might be a lot of interesting quarterback movement in the yeah. NFC South next year. Yeah. Um, 
out west, another game that no one's going to be paying all that close attention to, the Chiefs at Texans. Um, but I am curious from your perspective, uh, Mark, last week, it was weird. You're just like watching another game and you're uh, like, I'm over here taking notes on other stuff. And you just keep seeing like flashes of Texans are right there with the Cowboys. And you're like, that can't be right. And you're double checking. You're like, are the Texans about to beat the Cowboys? Like what, what is happening? Why did they, why did the Texans and why did the Texans ha- show signs of life last week for, for you? I don't know, because I mean, they're very unpredictable and they're playing with house money. They're playing this two-quarterback system with, with mm. Mills and Jeff Driscoll, which I think they're going to continue. <laughs> you know, they're, they're moving Driscoll around in the pocket. They're using Mills as a pocket passer. It's a lot for a defense to sort of figure out in-game. Like, mm. okay, which guy is it? Which offense is it going to be? Which offensive look is it going to? are we going to see now? I mean, I, I think it's kind of, you know, Good teams will eventually figure out what they got to do. I mean, mm-hmm. you saw that with Dallas. They figured out a way to win that game. You know, and Houston did make some plays on the defensive side of the ball. I think it's a wholly different scenario now going up against Kansas City, you know, a team that's probably going to be able to score, I'd say almost, I don't want to say at will, but they're going to be able to put some points up. So it is a nice little storyline, like you said, sort of seeing that game on the crawl, and you're like, wait, is Dallas going to lose to the Texans? Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think this is anything really sustainable from Houston. Yeah, I don't either. I do you think they make another quarterback change or QB? Uh, excuse me, head coaching change. Do they go back to back? I don't think they go back to back. You know, I I think Lovey will get a, get another year because now you know they've got the two draft picks. You mm-hmm. know, they're probably going to draft a quarterback first overall, whether it's Young, Stroud, whomever. You know, they obviously had another piece with that other draft pick in the first round as well. And so, you know, I think Lovey will get another crack you know, another year, maybe another year plus to sort of figure it out. I'm curious to see which way they go. Um, Cause that, I like their last draft next year. I yeah. think um, yeah. this should be interesting um, for them. Uh, Falcons at saints. Can you explain to me why the foul or the, excuse me, the saints offense is so dull, Mark. Why is this offense just so boring with Pete Carmichael? Who's been doing this forever. I, I I was watching them this afternoon, getting ready for this show. I don't know if it's just because you know they don't have Michael Thomas, they they don't trust protections. They get mm. Andy Dalton, who's you know he is what he is right now at this point in his career. Um, that there, it's just a lot of I don't want to say bland offensive concepts, but there's not a ton of creativity. It's just kind of is it a quarterback thing? Is it a personnel thing? What? Why? I think it's mostly a quarterback thing at mm. this point. It's just, you know, Dalton's not just not a dynamic quarterback at this point mm. in his career. And I don't know if he really ever was. I mean, maybe there was a time in Cincinnati when he was younger where, you know, he could do some option stuff, some, you know, zone read type stuff with him, move him around, use his legs. You know, that he's that's not really who he is right now. And yeah, he can make some throws like the touchdown to Taysom Hill, you know, get kind of a busted coverage and he's able to take advantage of that. But they just don't quite trust what they have olave is a fantastic talent mm. i'd love to see at some point more than just a handful of these situations where having michael thomas are on the field at the same time the usage of alvin kamara has been really strange you know leading into ingram at times when he was certainly banned up like we saw at the end of that buccaneers game it's just a kind of bland boring offense that doesn't seem to trust in anybody really Man, I wonder if they could. They're just another one where it's just like, I, Sean Payton knew what he was getting out of in that situation. He, well, uh, we knew this was coming, right? Yeah. Like all the times that they like did these void years and kicked the can down the road with the cap. We all said, 
at some point that bill's coming due. Yeah. And Sean Payton saw, you know, the mailman putting that bill in the mailbox and he's like, hello, like I'm going to give it a year then see if the Chargers job opens up or something yeah. like that. Which I hope he doesn't. Like there's just something, the Chargers are a cursed franchise. There's at some yeah. point we have to have the conversation where it's just like yeah. they're never going to be healthy enough to make all this yeah. work. Like I would stay away from the Chargers from Sean Payton. Stay away I from the Cardinals. Like that was the other rumor. I'm like, I don't want either of those jobs. No, I mean. I'm waiting it out, man. The only, and even like Denver, because that's another one that's been rumored. Like I'm not touching that scenario. Like have nope. you seen the Russell Wilson contract and what that's going to balloon into over the next couple of years? Like no. I'll... The bill for the Rams title. Like you're not going to yeah. want to be anywhere near the Rams soon. Nope. Um man i yeah i don't know what he does uh he might have to stick uh in tv a little bit longer unless yep. like and yeah i mean i was thinking about it. i'm like i guess tampa is maybe the most but even that you're gonna have to go back maybe, to the east coast you gotta figure out the quarterback thing too because yeah brady's a free agent are you gonna convince brady to stay is he gonna want to stay for sean payton well they were a rumored package deal in miami maybe, yeah maybe yeah. that's it maybe we I'd, do get that Maybe. Um, in terms of the Cowboys at the Jaguars, I think this is my favorite Sunday game. I'm kind of bummed this is the same time as Falcons Saints, but um, at one o'clock we get Cowboys Jags and the Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence put on a clinic last week against Tennessee, and he was just he was so much fun to watch and popping all over the place and just made Evan Ingram look like Rob Gronkowski for 60 minutes. But I I'm 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 happy to see Trevor Lawrence play at this level, but also the Cowboys are are streaking at the right time. I'm I'm just wondering, is this the game of the day for you? It's it, either this or that Lions Jets game. Yeah, mm. I mean, just because it's great to see Lawrence playing the way he is right now. The pocket movement he had against Tennessee, like mm -hmm. some of the way the plays he extended, keeping his eyes, you know, downfield, scanning for targets. Like it's it's great to see him play like. The Ravens come back, that drive in the mm -hmm. fourth quarter, some of the throws on fourth downs he made in that fourth quarter. You know, we're seeing the guy that we saw, you know, a couple years ago at Clemson where it's like, yeah, this guy's going first overall at some point. So we're seeing that. So that's great to see. Now he's going to get – obviously we've been talking a lot about that Cowboys defense. It's going to be a great test for him. You know, it's going to be kind of a good test for the Cowboys too because this is a mm -hmm. team that's sort of coming on, playing well down the stretch. they got some quality wins. And Jacksonville's back in the playoff hunt. Like they, yeah. it's a slim pathway for them, but they could theoretically get in. And so, yeah, though that Jets Lions game and this game, I think are my two favorites of the Sunday slate. I uh, I'm I feel good because my preseason I had the Jags winning the AFC South before the year, and I'm a big Doug Peterson guy, and I think this is a pretty yeah. good staff, and I'm just all in on Trevor Lawrence, and I think this is kind of like his rookie year based on what he had to deal with last year. I think so too. Yeah. I mean, it was such upheaval last year; it was an absolute disaster. I mean, we all saw that interview with one of the players on the team that was just like, you know, with what he had to deal with in Urban, like, you know, it's great to see Trevor playing at this at this level, and mm. Peterson is. Say whatever you want about you know his track record or Carson Wentz or whatever. He had Carson Wentz looking like an MVP candidate in mm. 2017. Like he's ha he's got that proven record of of quarterback development. His offense, his playbooks, his schemes, the concepts—they're very quarterback friendly. But he knows how to tailor them to you know guys like Wentz or guys like Lawrence that might be more downfield throwers. Even though he's sort of from that West Coast. Andy Reid school of thought. So he's a very good offensive mind. Obviously that record of quarterback development. And it's great to see Lawrence get in this chance. 
Uh, cards at Broncos. My only question to you in this one, uh, did the Broncos figure something out offensively last week before Russell Wilson went down with the concussion? Like, did they do anything where you're like, oh, maybe they've turned the corner just a bit? No, not really. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's just still a bad offense. I mean, mm. it, you know, he, he had a shot play at full verticals where Judy got wide open because it was kind of a, a bust, a breakdown. Mm. But, you know, he just hasn't looked good. Yeah. Is it a Wilson not looking good? Is it a scheme? Like, is it because, like you said with the Saints, it was more of a quarterback thing as to why they're so boring. Is it just a Wilson thing as to why this is this is this bad for the Broncos offensively? Yeah, I mean, I think in part it's kind of a Wilson thing. Like he's just kind of taken a step back. Mm -hmm. Like, and we saw some of this really in Seattle. Like he just wasn't reading the field right. Wasn't reading the middle of the field right. You know, there were routes that were available to him in the middle of the field that he wouldn't throw them. And you're seeing that continue here in Denver. And when you as a defense know that you just have to defend the sidelines, it makes your job a lot easier. So what's the scheme change that they can do next year for him? What's the right scheme for Wilson at this point? I think at this point, you got to kind of lead into sort of that Stefanski, McVay, Shanahan, under center boot action, Mm. move him around a bit. Like he wants to be on the move, right? Yeah. he, he wants to be outside the pocket. He wants to create that way. And I think that's where you kind of have to put him. Uh, I'm interested to see what happens. We might have like three first-year coaches fired after this yeah, season. we might. Which is pretty wild. Um, Pats at Raiders. The Pats team you're quite familiar with. It's the Josh McDaniels Bowl here. Um, do you see another late double-digit league collapse for the Raiders in this one? I don't know. Maybe. Just because... Mm. I, these are just two teams that I'm struggling to figure out. And I think they're two teams that are sort of struggling to figure themselves out. I mean, mm-hmm. with New England, what do they want to be in the passing game? You know, I, I don't have updated numbers from their game Monday night against Arizona, but I know that since they've ran so many screenplays, I don't think it changed too much. But mm-hmm. going into that week, John, uh, Mac Jones had an adjusted completion percentage of 86.2 on play action plays, which was mm-hmm. sixth best in the National Football League. Now, he's only attempted 51 play-action passes, Mm. 32nd in the National Football League. And he's got guys like Taylor Heineke who have played fewer games than him who have attempted like 30 or 40 more. And so it just blows my mind that if you're trying to find a way to manufacture explosive passing plays, you're not calling play-action plays when your quarterback does that at a pretty high level. And so, you know, they're, they're trying to figure out what they want to be in the pass game. The Raiders, you know, they, they've won a couple of games here recently, but I think it might be just a matter of too little too late. I kind of think New England wins this one, but even if New England gets in, I know they're in the seventh spot right now. I don't see them going too far. Do you think New England has an answer for Max Crosby on the edge? No. That's that's <laughs> the other thing that terrifies me because, you know, when we start thinking about mock drafts and draft season, you know, I had somebody ask me, hey, you know, I'm doing a mock draft. Who does New England pick? I said – Whatever offense tackle is left, like that's that's it. Because yeah. I know Trent Brown has been sick and he's he's lost some weight over the past couple of weeks with a really bad flu. But you know he hasn't looked great to begin with. Isaiah Wynn is just not working out. They've kind of kicked him inside a little bit. Here we are a couple of weeks before Christmas. They're trying to figure out their best offensive line combination to begin with. And now you get Max Crosby who's playing at an extremely high level. That doesn't give me the warm and fuzzies. You've seen some plays where, you know, the interception that Mac Jones threw on Monday night, 
they asked Hunter Henry to block the pass rusher because hmm. they didn't trust the, ta- the, the offensive tackle. <laughs> I don't want to see Hunter Henry blocking Max Crosby one-on-one on a, on a seven-step drop-back pass concept. So I don't know if they have an answer for Max Crosby. I, I don't. Do you think we get a lot of Kendrick Bourne in this one after Mac Jones being like, yeah. I, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's been somebody, Kendrick Bourne is somebody that Patriots fans have been clamoring for yeah. since like September. Like get him involved more. And you're finally, and, and Marcus Jones too, the, the rookie corner who they've mm-hmm. used on offense in the past couple of weeks. They're, they're figured out, Hey, these guys are fast and speeds a pretty good thing. So, you know, I mentioned the you know, 12, I think, or 14 screens that he threw on Monday night. You mm. might see the same number in this game on Sunday because they're trying to neutralize Max Crosby. I like it. Uh, shout out to my coworker, Max Crosby. Um, Titans at Chargers. Are you a tight or a Chargers believer again, Mark? Because I'm just like at set by all the Titans stock going into this week for this one. Like every this is what the Titans love doing. I've said forever they're the White Walkers of the NFL. It's just no one believes they're real. No one believes they're winning the AFC South again. No one believes that they're just going to find a way with Derrick Henry. No one believes that Derrick Henry can keep doing what he's doing. No one believes that this offense with Todd Downing is going to do enough to to win big-time football games. And it's like, well, this is the perfect time because everyone's back in on the Chargers. And they're like, Mike Williams is back. He's healthy. This offense is fun. They actually have receivers who can separate again. And then you're like, well, here comes the Titans coming off an embarrassing home loss. I, I, this has all the makings of a Titans win and a depressing Chargers late game loss. Yeah, I I think you might have something. You know, might have something there because, you know, obviously last week the Emmanuel Acho Bowl, Tua versus mm. Herbert. Like, <laughs> you know, Herbert played an extremely great game and he's a very talented quarterback. But you know, when you sort of look at the history of the Chargers, just generally. You know, we thought this was going to be the year, right? Mm. That they would make this run, and now they're fighting for their playoff lives. And you know, like you said, I'm sure Mike Vrabel has spent the past six nights just saying, "Hey, you know, now you're up against it. You know, we're fighting for our lives here." And you get the sense that Tennessee's going to be ready for this one. Mm-hmm. Now, what's interesting, though, we we know Tennessee, the run game, Derrick Henry. Chargers did a pretty good job at stopping the Miami run game mm. that game Sunday night. So. You know, that will certainly be something to watch, but I kind of like your thinking on on this game and where these two teams are going into it. Uh, and the Titans need this one. Like you said with the Jags coming back, like they yeah. need to take care of business. They need to uh, not fall down the stretch here. Um, Bengals at Bucks. Uh, can Bulls stand for two blowout losses in a row? No, no. I, I, I don't think so. And he might get another blowout loss because right? they just – in talking to people that are closer to the Buccaneers and cover the Buccaneers, mm. you know, they've all told me, you know, he or she, whoever I talk to, everything's broken. Mm. Everything's broken offensively, run game, pass game, protection. It's just not all working. The only real times it has worked, like last minute or two against the Rams, last minute or two against the Saints, when it's, you know, no huddle, tempo. Just getting the ball out, catch it, and throwing like any sort of regular get, get flow of the game situation, it's not working for them right now, and they're running out of time. You know, when you look at Carolina, sort of breathing down their neck and the way they're playing right now, Carolina controls their own destiny. And yeah. now you get on the other side of the ball the Cincinnati Bengals, a team that we left them for dead at two and three. I mean, mm. they can't figure out cover two. They 
can't figure out an under center passing game. They can't figure out a shotgun rug game. Well, they've figured all that stuff out since then. You know, and they certainly have figured out, you know, a shotgun running game with, with Mixon. They've figured out, okay, now here are the ways we're going to attack cover two. And we're going to force you to get to single high, which is where we really want you to be because we can get those one on one isolated throws against, you know, against corners along the sideline to Higgins to chase. And so they've really sort of figured out what they can do and do well over the past couple of weeks. I know the Hendrickson injury, injury is going to hurt their defense a little bit, but that defense well, brought back DJ Reader. Yeah. I mean, so Cincinnati looks great. Tampa Bay doesn't. I think that's all you need to know about this one. Yeah. I am curious if having uh, Chidobe uh, Ouzier being out, uh, if the Bucks are able to do a little bit more in the passing game. But Yeah, uh, they might. It's just I, – I think, you know, I've seen other people say this – Tom Brady just doesn't want to get hit right now. Mm-hmm. And there might be something to that. And you're seeing, even though he wasn't great when pressured since joining Tampa Bay, like his you know, completion percentage, adjusted completion percentage, you know, QBR, all that stuff, when pressure mm-hmm. is dipped, it seems more exacerbated this year because he's really getting the ball out quicker than I even remember him doing. Mm-hmm. And it's also, this is the the Tom Br- the next Tom Brady Bowl. Right, like yeah. he's at Joe Burrow. He, I think he's somebody this yeah. week, or he doesn't want to be thinking about being the next Tom Brady. But I mean, there's a lot of Mahomes being Everybody Manning. Everybody made and, that comparison, so yeah. I mean, I, I'm here for it. Um, Giants at DC on Sunday Night Football. Uh, this will be another fun one. I'm, I'm very excited to watch that one. Um, but in terms of the Giants, is the bottom about to fall out for you? Yeah. It okay. is. And I, I we sort of thought this was going to come, right? I mean, mm. they, they got off to the great start, right? They got off to the sort of six and one start. And it's like, hey, this is nice, but let's look at that after the bye week, right? Because after mm. the bye week, you're getting Dallas, you're getting Washington twice, you're getting the Eagles twice, you've got Minnesota on the road. And now you're seeing them, you know, they're going from six and one to seven, five and one mm. over the past couple of weeks. Like you've won one of six games. Um, one of yeah six games. Now you've got four games left, fighting for your playoff lives. Three of them are on the road. You've got at Washington, at Minnesota next week. They play Indy at home, and then week eighteen at Philadelphia. Now, you know Philly might have the one seed locked up, so it might be a game against Gardner Minshew. But that's a tough th- four game stretch for the Giants. And I think Brian Dable, Joe Shane. I've done a great job to get this team even into the playoff discussion because don't let's off let's not forget Joe Shane before the season started was all this is the hand we were dealt mm-hmm. it is what it is we're going to go out there and make the most of it i.e. we're going to stink this year guys <laughs> and so just be patient the fact that they're in the mix they deserve a ton of credit Brian Dable Joe Shane but we're going to see them start to fade over the next couple of weeks i think uh, last game, oof, this felt like a big yeah. game before the year. Rams at Packers on Monday Night Football. I will say the one thing that's interesting, if you look at the Green Bay offensive numbers the last few games, they figured something out, right? Yeah, they, they figured something out. Um, you know, They figured some stuff out of the passing game. Christian Watson has sort of grown into the role that we thought we might see from him, right? Some of the stuff were you big on him coming into the draft? I wasn't as big as others were. Hmm. Um I was actually, I think, I, I had Watson graded above, you know, the other rookie, Romeo Dobbs, but I was kind of more excited about Dobbs. Hmm. Um, but Why? Watson has looked, Dobbs just looked to me, it, it looked like Watson was going to be like, you know, 
sort of not, I don't want to say like a one trick pony, but mm-hmm. like it was going to be okay. Watson, you're going to give him like a package of 10 plays. That's what he's going to do. Romeo Dobbs might be a little bit more of a well-rounded receiver coming mm-hmm. out. Um, so you might see a workload that reflects that. That was at least my thinking. Watson's looked great. He's Who did he remind you of? I'm so bad at comparisons. Um, I don't know. Maybe a, a, a slightly thinner, smaller Mike Williams. Hmm. But there's kind of that kind of vibe to him right now. I don't know. I mean, what do you think? I I mean, the, the Jamar Chase, like the, the yeah. North Dakota State Jamar Chase, I see a little bit of that with him. Yeah, that could work too. Um, I think they're going to be asked to do a lot of the same kind of stuff um, yeah. in Green Bay and in Cincy. And that was the other thing with Cincy too. It's just that like it was a blessing in disguise that Jamar Chase had to be out for a little bit and Joe Burrow had to – uh, play football uh, without just that downfield threat that he just could throw it up to. It's the, he had to learn to just kind of throw over the middle and kind of take the yep. intermediate stuff and just be better about it. Um, yep. Sometimes that's better. And now Rogers got to experience not having any of those guys for the majority of the year. And it's like, Oh, Christian Watson's available and I trust him. And now that I have this downfield option that I did not have all year. So yep. they're able to open some stuff up. It's kind of, it's kind of sucks because I wonder what this season looks like if Watson is playing at this level from, from week one on, I wonder. Yeah, I mean, you wonder almost that first throw downfield yeah. to Watson week one that he dropped, how yeah. much that sort of set them back, right? Because we knew going into this year, right, Chase, that like Rodgers sometimes takes a little bit of time to get that trust, to get that chemistry, and to mm. have that early miscue. It's like, oh, well, I'm not going to throw to him again. <laughs> now yeah. he's finally doing it, and you're seeing it pay off. Yeah. Um, well, this was great, Mark. I appreciate, awesome. uh, yeah, you making the time, uh, today. Uh, what can the good folks check out for you? We talked about your piece on Desmond Raider at the top of the show on SBNation.com. So go check that out if you have not already, but anything else you'd like to plug as we wrap up here? Um, just, you know, all the work we're doing at SBNation.com, yeah. myself, JP Acosta, James Dater, Ricky O'Donnell, we're doing yeah. all sorts of stuff. I mean, JP and I ranked all 43 bowl games. Um, check that out. There's yeah. a lot, man. There, there might be. Rice got into a bowl game because there were so many bowl games. They were like, yeah, the only team with a record. Like yeah. Right. So, uh, we did that. We're gonna have what do we got? We got World Cup predictions. It goes up uh, Friday morning because we're covering that. Uh, but yeah, SBNation.com. You know. There you go, Khaleesi the dog. She agrees. Uh, Mark, thank you so much, uh, and we'll have to check back in again soon. Sounds good, my friend. This has been Ingram, radio voice of the Atlanta Braves, and I'm here to tell you that you've reached the end of today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. As a friend of the podcast, I'd like to say thank you for listening to today's episode and hope you return for the next one. To show your support for the program, tell a friend or coworker or even a family member about the program. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, leave the show a rating and a review. It goes a long way. That'll do it for me. But don't forget to listen to myself and the rest of the team at 680 The Fan and the Braves Radio Network this season. Go Braves! Chase, I think I'm going to hear more about you. I really do. I think you've got a way about you, but you're interviewing, mm-hmm. you're, um, pleasantness, you're smart. So I think I'm going to hear big things about you. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah.